If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself and your type 1 kid? Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Uh, my name is Beth. My daughter is uh, just about eight. Her name is Vanessa. She was diagnosed at the tough age of four. We had a bit of a traumatic experience during the diagnosis, but yeah, we were about four years in now. Is hard, right? They're still really young and it's hard to even do a shot on a four-year-old. <laughs> Anything yeah, we weren't there at the time and um, we had just had her four-year doctor's appointment not not even a month out and um we had a pre-planned trip to Hawaii <laughs> my parents came to stay and it was a big deal and uh yeah that was just sort of it happened all all at once and we weren't there so it was just very kind of traumatic for her she was terribly afraid of needles mm. hit under the tables mm-hmm. you know she was in the ICU for almost a week well not not ICU but a couple days and then the hospital for a week but mm-hmm. When you say you weren't there, you mean you had left her with your parents or... Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we we were just a couple days into our, literally our once in a lifetime trip away from our kids to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And and this happened and, you know, we got the call. She might have had a UTI because she was peeing Mm -hmm. a lot. And so Mm -hmm. we, we booked her an appointment and my mom, you know, took her right in. Thank goodness she did the right thing. My dad's type two diabetic. So, you know, he had kind of a feeling or I guess he was kind of saying, oh, something's, you know, happening here. Mm -hmm. So luckily they were, you know, they brought her right in and that she was in ketoacidosis uh, and had to take her to the ICU and everything. And by the time we got there, it was two days later because we were, you know, in the middle of this island in Kauai. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that's a lot. That's a hard diagnosis. Yeah. That's really so. Rough. Yeah, she was in an ambulance by herself. I mean, not by herself with my mom, I should say, but still, like you know, she kept asking for her mommy, and mm-hmm. and then of course the hospital experience was really tough for her. But it's tough on all kids when they're diagnosed, and yeah. harder because you weren't there, right? Because of yes. course you would want to be there. So, Beth, what's happening now that brings you on the show? What did you want to ask? Yeah. So, you know, now that the dust has settled a little bit, we're, we're almost four years in. And our goal from the start was always to keep type one, you know, in the background for her. So she could keep trying and, you know, concentrating on being a kid. Mm-hmm. So we also use this approach at our school and when we're at, you know, camps or, or whatever we're doing out in the world. And I just wanted to just kind of ask, when can this start to switch? Um, where can we start to give her more responsibility and frankly, you know, more burden, in my opinion, to handle more of her type one diabetes management? Is it crazy to want to manage it until she leaves our nest? <laughs> or just concern not only about the actual technical side of things, but also just emotionally, you know, at the at the age of seven, kind of making a switch, maybe gradually 
just wondering if you had any approaches to that. Such a good question. So first of all, is, did she just turn eight? Because she said she was eight and then you said she was seven. She's just about to turn eight in Got about it. a month. Okay. And she's in second grade? Second grade. Second yes. grade. Tell me, Beth, what does she do? Right? Because my guess is she does some things. She has some responsibilities, even though you have this beautiful, like keeping it in the background approach. And it sounds like you have good partnership in the school, right? And they're they're sort of on board with that. So tell me what she does do. Well, she's getting into math, of course, at school. So we've been starting to practice our math. As the doctors all told, told us, we'd be great at counting carbs. So that's been great. She helps make her lunch in the morning and we have a little bento box so we can kind of distribute, you know, a little checklist to the nurse each day of how many carbs equals what and what she mm -hmm. plans to eat. So that's been a great help. And just shopping and picking out healthy and sometimes not healthy snacks. Mm -hmm. And of course, she's already feeling her lows. So she takes responsibility. Of course, you know, the technology is about 20 minutes behind. So she often can feel it, you know, before the technology catches up to her. Mm -hmm. So th those are all things that she's doing now when we do prompt her or ask her to take some proactivity, especially if she is at a camp in the summer or she's away, you know, at a friend's house. But I guess in general, I just wanted to understand, you know, when that kind of starts switching or when do you when do you sense that it's the right time? Mm -hmm. So there's no, um, there's no answer. There's no firm answer on this, but I hear that she's taking really appropriate responsibility for her age. Like I'm curious when she's at a friend's house and she takes more responsibility, what does that look like? Right? Because one of the things that happens for kids is they want something and they need to take more responsibility in order to get that something. Right? So they want to go to the overnight something or they want to sleep at a friend's house or they want to be away from you for a whole day or, you know, whatever it is they're wanting often is the motivator or, or, and, or they're wanting more responsibility. They're wanting you off their back. That happens a lot. Or they're wanting just to take it on more. From where I sit, having older children with type one and having seen many families go through this, I feel like saying to you, don't worry about this at all. There's nothing artificial that you need to do to make this happen in a normal family where there's just sort of a normal sense of like your child's developmental ability, it's going to gradually shift to her. That said, if you put yourself in environments like camp, where there are more children around with type 1, my observation and experience in those settings is that kids come home feeling way more empowered to do the next thing, whether that's doing a finger stick to check their Dexcom reading, whether that's loading a pump. I would say at seven or eight, she's not ready for that most likely, right? Those feel like bigger things. And there's some kids who want to take those things on earlier. If she's not gunning to take it on, I wouldn't push it on her. But if you're concerned, then I would say immerse her in an environment with other kids so that she can think about what she wants to do. I don't feel concerned. Okay. So I want to stop and see how that lands for you before. Yeah, we... no, that's great. I, I would like to keep the responsibility on us, you know, as mm -hmm. the parents as long as we can, because I, I do want her to concentrate on being a kid. But I also mm -hmm. just, I don't want to put her behind the ball also, like if I'm kind of not teaching her or guiding her in this mm -hmm. journey. That makes sense, right? There's not 
where we know for our non-T1D kids sort of developmentally what to expect, and there's tons of literature out about that, there's not really a guideline on this. There's not like a book you can read that says at this age, expect this. And it, it really is variable, just like with most developmental things. And I actually hear the piece that warms my heart for you and for your family is that you want to preserve her opportunity to be a child. You're not letting that worry that you have of like, how is she going to do this override her like once in a lifetime chance to be little. (laughs) Exactly. I I actually think that focus is exactly what it should be. I think that she's going to learn how to manage her diabetes or I can't, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I guess I can't predict that, but I'm pretty sure she will. I think it'd be very rare to have a child, you know, there are kids out there whose parents are doing everything for them up until too late and haven't transferred anything, but she's so young. And I think developmentally, you're going to see her asking for more responsibility over time. You're going to put her in environments where she's going to have the question in her head of what else she might be able to do. And also when kids become teenagers, they generally want you out of their business a little more. And so they start to take on more responsibility. Oh, that's great. Good point. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Right now, your child's type one diagnosis feels like the biggest blow ever. You feel worried for their health and watchful all the time of pretty much everything, blood sugar, food, exercise. If your child was diagnosed in the last year and you want to get back to the calm and sturdy parent you were before diagnosis, the place to start is with Sweet Talk's After Diagnosis coaching program. Designed just for parents like you, by me, a fellow T1D mom and experienced therapist and diabetes coach, After Diagnosis will help you find a faster path to calm. When you're doing better with diabetes, your child will do better too. To find out more, go to diabetessweettalk.courses. Anything else I can help you with? One other question regarding kind of the dust is settled uh, feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. four years in, you know, this disease is such an invisible one. I think in the first year, our family and friends were checking in a lot and it was a tough time. And I guess I just wondered if there was any guidance you'd recommend for reaching out or trying to communicate your needs to get more support from friends or family, because this is, you know, especially with your Ask the Therapist and and JDRF and all the the great community we have, that's, you know, where I lean to when I get, you know, frustrated. But I guess just from your immediate family or friends, is there something you'd recommend doing as, as somebody in our, in our shoes, just feeling a little, maybe, Hey, it's not over. Yeah. And I can see you getting pretty emotional as you talk about that. Yeah. Cause that's, it's really tender. What I want to ask you is what are you wanting? Like, can you define for me what you would like? I don't know if it's acknowledgement or just checking in more or like just more support from the people that maybe don't experience it. And I guess it possibly has to do with awareness about how heavy this disease can be on on a family and parents, especially mm-hmm. with little ones. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm being immature about it or anything, or I don't know, not handling it. Because the thing about it is, you know, we are handling it and we are managing it very well. So when we go to friends' houses or or family, 
it doesn't really come up too much because it's all sort of being handled in the background as we were just talking about. That's kind of our mission. But at the same time, it's still very emotional and it can be very hard. You know, there's, there's still really hard days and sometimes hours and things like, you know, you always say that there's, you know, there's no vacation from this. So, so I'm hearing that you are wanting, um, a more authentic experience with somebody, maybe several somebodies about what your experience is. And what I wonder is, well, there are two things. Obviously, it is easy to do this in a type one community, right? So I don't know if you've been to family camp, but I can't plug that enough. Yes, we have been. It was Uh wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So go back and keep going because you will meet people who you will stay friends with forever. I just went out to dinner with somebody we met at camp a million years ago, right? And I talked to someone else on the phone last night who was a camp buddy. So, and and we're not talking about diabetes anymore, right? We're past that. But because we all speak that language, we also feel just so at ease. So that's one thing that I cannot recommend more strongly, like build those relationships. The other thing I want to say is, uh, where are you holding back? Right. With the people who don't have type one, my guess is that you feel like you can't say what your experience is. And there are a lot of reasons that I hear from parents that they might feel that way. One is they feel resentful. Uh, I'm not hearing that from you, but they can feel resentful that people don't ask or understand, but they also can feel like it's burdensome. So they don't want to interject it. And um, you're nodding here. Am I getting is are either of these things right? I think slight resentment. I think the awareness is is maybe a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the struggles that we're going through, sometimes again, daily, hourly, depending on the situation, it's still mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. happening. It's not. Mm-hmm. We are out of the first tough year. No, of it, course it's, it's it doesn't end, and I guess <laughs> no, it just it kind of never. I guess ends. it's kind of like when you lose somebody too. You know, you just people check in a lot in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. kind of goes away. So this, it's sort of a loss and it's a, right now it's a lifetime and it's a young, young, you know, young, young kid. So, uh huh. so you just said awareness. That was the word you used. So you're wanting other people's awareness. Is that it? Awareness and compassion and, and just support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So Beth, I would really encourage you to think about what you need and mm-hmm. identify the people who might be able to provide that, right? Some people are really not good at that, right? Some people don't know how to show up compassionately and not be um, directing you, right? Sometimes you tell somebody something and they start telling you what to do. And those are not easy people to talk to about things that are actually just emotionally heavy. Mm -hmm. There are people out there who really care and probably love you. I mean, I think it's beautiful that so many people checked in the first year. And so I wonder how much you're holding back about saying to them, this continues to be so hard for me. And I actually really want you to understand how it is because it's lonely, right? I'm isolated in this. And so if I can share it with you, it would feel so good to me. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel? That feels great. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I always appreciate and make sure I make a, a point of saying thank you when people do say something, you know, my, mm-hmm. my siblings or, or parents or friends, mm-hmm. I always tell them like, it really means a lot, you know, when mm-hmm. you check in. You might follow that with, it means a lot. And I want a little bit more. 
Like, can I reach out to you and share with you sometimes when I'm feeling like low and slow about diabetes? And would you check in with me a little bit more about it? Because I, I don't think it's easy to understand how isolating it is for me. Yep. That's great. That feels really good. Thank you. That's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Guidance. You're so welcome. Thank you, Beth. Thanks so much for coming on the show and asking your questions. Thank you. I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. 